0: Mike, I don't want to stay here.
1: And the master wouldn't approve. Don't worry about it. We're here now, and I'm sure the master won't throw us out. Well, how about it, Torgo? I don't want to stay. Let's leave. The guy buys right into the whole master thing. I don't know about it. I just don't know. I'll have to run it by my sales manager. And the negotiations continued into the night. Ambiguity is scary. Boy, I'm torn. Torgo, my wife? Hmm. What is torn.
2: this final jeopardy?
1: Oh look, I've got some beans going back there. I hmm. the rode on my staff discomfort me. Mm. He's the guy you used to know who works at a Kinney shoes and won't leave you alone. Oh, Damn, Man, Torgo, pants. <laughs> you can vacation with Torgo, but don't bring your American Express card. Very well. The master will be very disturbed.
2: Hey, movie fans, welcome to a special episode of Not a Bomb Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Troy Sauer. With me is Brad Anderson. Uh, Brad, this is kind of a special episode, right? I mean, that's why we call it a special episode.
1: What, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yeah, if that was uh, the stupidest intro. just a, intro, just a um, clever name, yep. Yeah,
2: yep. I feel like I feel like we're making history with this intro as being one of the worst intros of all time, which plays into what tonight's all about, right?
1: <laughs> then we shed like this weird edit. And then someone dub over our voices and then it'll make it all better.
2: Yes. And I'm holding a, a poodle, by the way. I, I don't know. why. Oh, yes, I, I just are, am. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you and I get a lot of emails, uh, messages on social media, et cetera. And some of them are weird. Some of them are great. Yeah. We, we.
1: Some of them are like, hey, uh, I want you to inherit some of this money. And yeah. <laughs> uh, here's my banking information. I just need yours.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. I only responded to one. It didn't. It didn't pan out. But uh, yeah. we we've had a couple of um, artists and directors, actors, everything else, kind of reach out and go, "Hey, doing this doing this project's film." Um, and and a lot of times we're hesitant because, hey, we don't we don't know about the project. We we don't know where it's coming from. And um, I, I mean, we've always said this from an advertising or whatever perspective. We only kind of want to talk about the things we like, right?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We have standards, Troy. <laughs> they're low yes. but they're there they are standards yes. <laughs> yeah
2: so we got this email and it really sounded too good to be true but there was um a listener of the show that said hey uh i think you guys would have a lot of fun interviewing this actress and she is a part of this little film that you may know about called uh, manos the hands of fate I don't know about you, Brad. I'm like, yeah, whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I was immediately like, whoever, this is like going to be some weird thing where at some point in time we're going to have to invest in Bitcoin or something like that. So yeah, I'm not giving no, my bank account no out again. Yep,
2: yep. <laughs> so we'll be once. Yeah. Uh, we, we exchanged some messages and, and it turns out, Hey, this is legit. Um, and uh, this person got us a chance to um, spend some time with Jackie Naaman jones Now, she is the child star of Manos' Hands of Fate. I, it, we got to talk about this film, Brad, because I feel like if if you're in the know, then you've seen Manos a bunch of times, but I have to assume there are some listeners who have no idea what this movie is. Uh, a little background. So it's a, it's a 1966 American low-budget horror film Written, directed, and produced by Harold P. Warren, who also stars in the film.
1: I, I I would interrupt you and say, when you say low budget, you should actually say no budget.
2: Yes, n- no budget. Right. And yes. This this whole movie has a crazy story. So Manos really exists because of a bet between two men. Uh, Warren was an insurance and fertilizer salesman from El Paso, Texas who produced the film as the result of a bet with screenwriter Sterling Siliphant. Now, if you know films, that screenwriter name, I mean, a light bulb should go off. This is the guy who wrote the screenplays to movies like Village of the Damned, In the Heat of the Night, Academy Award winning In the Heat of the Night, (laughs) Uh, The Towering Inferno, uh, The Killer Elite, Sam Peckinpah. Get to the big
1: one. Just get to the big one. Okay.
2: Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone. Okay. So he wrote that one.
1: Troy, when he turns his hat backwards, it's like, a you know, it's like he's gone. Yes, it's awesome.
2: you can thank Sterling for that. But so what happened was um, he also starred in it alongside El Paso theater actors, Tom Naiman and John Reynolds. So the the way it goes is uh, they're having a conversation and, and basically Harold says making a movie is not that hard. I can do it. I work with these community theater actors, so we're going to go out and make a film and I'm going to show you anybody can do it, right? So Manos was made by a crew with little or no background or experience in filmmaking. uh, Like you said, pretty much no budget. And upon its theatrical debut, the film was poorly received. It played only in the Capri Theater in El Paso and a few drive-ins around West Texas, New Mexico. And then it just fell off the face of the earth, right? It ends up sort of being rediscovered by everybody around 1993 on a little show called Mystery Science Theater 3000. And because it's shown on that, it ends up being like one of the, I, I would you say the, the biggest episodes that mystery science theater did? I mean, I
1: would say so that's where I was introduced to it And because we don't get to talk about mystery science theater that much. I, I just want to say that's one of the, the shows that made me become a movie fan. It made me feel it was okay to, to love movies, even if they're bad. Um, the importance of that show on, on, anyone that's around our age of uh, is probably immeasurable. Yes. Um, just how it made movies cool, regardless of quality. Right. And, and it made that group setting um, come alive. And that's basically where Monos lives now is with your, with your buddies, we're going to watch Monos hands of fate. So, but no mystery science theater was, in the grand scheme of my life is probably one of the most like 10 most important things yes. in it, but you know, it is what it is.
2: No. And it's crazy. So I remember, um, it, cause 93, yep. I, I remember watching it and then the DVD came out, uh, specifically the mystery science theater 3000 one. And you know, there's only two episodes, uh, that I watch over and over again. It's Manos and Mitchell. The Mitchell one is also brilliant. Yes. But um, Manos holds a special place in my heart. I, I have a couple of copies. I, I mean, when Synapse released that special edition Blu-ray, I, I definitely picked it up because there's a whole making of documentary on it. And so it was crazy to sit down and see um, Jackie in interviews, hear on audio commentary, and all of a sudden an email pops up and is like, hey, do you do you want to talk to one of the last actresses that's that's really a part of this film? And then we did a whole bunch of research and we had no idea how big this had become and all of the other stuff. So uh I don't know, Brad. I, I just I kinda wanna get into it and just share this interview with everybody, right? Yeah, man. All right. But here it is. Here's our interview. everybody everybody. Uh, welcome to a very special episode. It, look, Brad and I don't get an opportunity very often to sit down and talk with people who are involved in, uh, I'm just going to say it, some iconic films that uh, really impacted, you know, pop culture. And right out of the blue, we had this chance to talk to somebody who is a part of a movie that I have, uh, I, I kind of discovered in college on television and kind of fell in love with it. And uh, it, it's, it's it's one of my favorite films to kind of watch with a group of people. But we have a chance tonight to sit down and talk with uh, Jackie Naaman jones She's the child star of uh, probably one of the worst movies ever made, Manos, Hands of Fate. Jackie, how are you this evening?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
2: No, thanks for... I, I Look, we are super excited that you would spend some time with us. Manus is one of those films that, when I get together with a group of people and we just decide, "Hey, we want to watch something that fits a group setting," I will try and recommend this film, especially for people who've never seen it. But I always have oh, a yeah. yeah, I always have it's,
0: a. I wouldn't watch it alone.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, and I always have a tough time. Like somebody, somebody will ask the inevitable question: "Well, what's it about?" So if you were to kind of put it in a nutshell or give a synopsis, what, what is Manos about?
0: Uh, <laughs> 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 well, it's a, it's a family of three a little girl and her parents and their little doggy and they're out traveling somewhere and they get lost in the desert and end up at this place. The they follow a sign to a place that says it's the Valley Lodge. And, um, I don't know, it's just obviously not a place that you should stay with your family, but the, the father just keeps insisting and, and things just get bad. There's a a cult leader, the master, and, uh, he has six wives and, uh, he starts eyeing the, the mother as his next wife and anyway, I won't spoil the end. (laughs) 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 Or like in the film, the end with a question mark.
2: (laughs) No, that's, that's pretty good. It's, it, it definitely is one of those films It came out in 1966. uh, And the film in and of itself has this really interesting history. Um, But Brad, Brad, where should we start? I mean,
1: my, my first question is, is what is it like being in a movie like Manos? Like having this cult status film that is, and you've done a great job championing it your whole life, but what's that like? What's it like going to conventions and meeting people and, in and, and doing that?
0: Well, I mean, there's there's so many parts to that, but as far as going to conventions and being in the public, I mean, I was kind of born for that, you know, as in theater in high school and, and I've, and I'm an artist. I've always been an artist and, and uh, very open-minded, and and I in high school, and my best friend and I were huge fans of Fire Sign Theater, and uh, oh, we we memorized <laughs> all the albums, and uh, I mean, I just listened to "Don't Crush That Work" and "Be the Pliers" again the other day, <laughs> and it just took me back, and it, it's so deep. They're so brilliant in the depths and then when um monosahns of Fate was rediscovered 27 years after it had been made i mean i've been holding on to it in my heart since the horrible premiere in 1966 because to me it was the best summer of my life i got to be i got to hang out with my dad and i got to be only kid and, you know for a whole number of reasons and uh so when I found out about mystery science theater and monos and it just started taking off and I started meeting people, I'm like, "Yeah, it's my tribe. I know these people." <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what? What can you share? What it was like? I, I guess I kind of want to start from the beginning. How old were you when you worked on this film? It was the summer I turned seven. Seven? What? can you, can you share what it was like to work on that? I've, I've, I've watched so many interviews and I love, uh, the commentary that you and your father do on the synapse Blu-ray, the special edition. Um, -hmm. I'm I'm just really jealous of that relationship because you, you guys, uh, just spending time retrospectively going back and, and watching it together. It, it, it just warms the heart, but seriously, what, what was it like working on that film set at that age?
0: Well, I remember when, I mean, my dad was in the theater, and he was an artist. Um, It was filmed just outside of El Paso, Texas. We were the only non-Hispanic family in our neighborhood, and we lived just three miles from uh, Juarez and the Rio Grande River. And uh, so, uh, and my dad was, well, he was executive director of the South El Paso Boys Club time so he was very involved in community mm-hmm. but uh he was involved in the theater as well and he was an artist in fact this piece right behind me is one of his see i, I it's the camera you know it's like i don't know which way to point <laughs> <laughs> but um, so i was very accustomed to the creative world But when he came home and he asked me if I wanted to be in this movie he was doing, uh, I was a real shy kid and I said, well, I don't know. And he with child psychology said, it's okay, honey, we can get another little girl. Oh, Uh, (laughs) no way. But I was such a, My mother was a very liberal Texas lady, and this was the 60s. I mean, there was a lot of revolution, a lot lot going on in those days. And um, so my parents wanted me to have a lot of experiences anyway, and I was a very independent kid. So being the only kid on that set was pretty cool because there was such a small, cast and crew that, and we were filming mostly at night, late into the night and on long weekends because everybody worked and, uh, and my dad was my ride. So if I had to be on set, then I was there for the whole time. And that was great because <laughs> I was an unsupervised six-year-old. I was having a (laughs) wonderful time out in the desert at night. That was pretty cool.
2: (laughs) And you just got to see everything behind the scenes, right?
0: Yeah. And um, it it was funny. I think a lot about perspective, but I, I can't help but have the memories from a you know, my adult perspective, but seeing, trying to see it as I saw it then is, and it's interesting because I have a seven-year-old grandson now and I'm like, I, seven-year-olds man, they're, they're smart. They're really observant. And I was a very observant. I still am detail. And I noticed a lot of things. And I remember, you know, (laughs) Wondering how the hell they were going to fix all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, well,
2: how, how, so I, I didn't know this until watching, I think a documentary on it. Uh, a lot of the set and costumes were created by your family, right? How, how much of the set in total came from your household?
0: Well, I mean, the, the property itself is, it was judge Coldwell's property and the, the slab that my dad, the master, laid on and columns all came from the demolished county courthouse. He had them moved out there. God knows why. I mean, it was really interesting. And then the cauldron of fire my dad made. He was an artist in in terms he worked in uh, metal with welding torch, he'd clay, the hands, all the hands were all his, the film was originally titled Fingers of Fate. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like a laughing (laughs) joke or something.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, it it doesn't carry the weight of of Hands of Fate.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but my dad suggested the title Manos the Hands of Fate. And uh, well, how Warren went with it. But, But he suggested that because he already had all this sculpture, you know, all these things he can contribute. But he painted the master and dog painting and he, oh. he, um, Oh, he made the Torgo staff. He made the b- burning Torgo hand, the <laughs> Torgo's Torgo's whole costume was my dad's. It was where his, his, um, welding coveralls and his desert scavenging hats. And he made the knees, the big knees that was, um, just fencing wire and, uh, upholstery foam you know and uh my mom made the master's robe i mean i i clearly remember my parents laying the fabric out on the living room floor and talking about it and planning it out and and i make replicas of those i'm right now in my studio working on number number 32 and number 33 i I make them custom size signed and numbered. So I'm working. Oh, that's point. right.
2: You you have like a whole Etsy shop for that stuff too. Right.
0: Yeah, And I, I recreated my dad's painting the master and dog portrait. And then a fan asked for a custom piece of art. Once he asked if I could do Frank Zappa as the master with his poodle. And, uh, <laughs> so I did that and I sell those too. <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs> that's
1: print. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah let's see oh the quilt on the bed in the bedroom that my great grandma I mean my grandma made that um oh the dog the doberman that was our family dog the, so it wasn't the it
2: wasn't the black was our, poodle in the beginning it was the doberman that was your family dog,
0: yeah, the poodle peppy he belonged to Hal Warren, the director
1: oh okay, okay.
0: We have a demon dog. (laughs) But, you know, they had reverse personalities. I was going to say,
1: the Doberman was probably much nicer than the Poodle.
0: Oh, he was. Yeah, (laughs) he was a great dog. I loved him. And, you know, ironically, and it wasn't necessarily playing out this way, but our dog, Shanka, is a native word that basically means dog.
2: (laughs) Okay. I love that name, too. Shanka.
0: Shanka. Well, it means, uh, I was told it means dog that runs in the night, but it seems like the short word to mean all that. So.
1: <laughs> so I have a question. I need to know if this is true or not. Is the bike story true? Is, is the red bike um, for your compensation? Is that a true story?
0: Yeah. I mean, how, how had a uh, promised various people, you know, the cast and crew shares in the profits <laughs> and uh at one point the cast and crew got together and started adding it up and realized that Hal had promised over 200% <laughs> of 200 percent
2: wow okay
0: but in the end none of, nobody got anything they didn't i mean all the costumes everything my dad did was out of his own pocket and hal even kept the robe and the master and dog painting he got to So, um, but I got the red bike with training wheels and plastic streamers and my dog Shanka got a 50 pound bag of dog food. So yes, we, we were the, do you still have the bike? Do you still have the bike?
2: No, I know. (laughs) That would have been awesome.
0: Yeah. Who knew? I mean, I'll tell you, I looked for that film. I thought about it. For 27 years, it was a shock when it just showed up on television.
2: Oh, can we, can we talk about that story? Because I had always had this impression, uh, that Manos was just sort of a lost gem and it was floating around. And I assume since your entire family was so heavily involved in the making of this film, uh, that even after the premiere, you had copies of it and everything else, but it, it was lost until it showed up on a TV show, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we didn't get to see it before the premiere. I mean, nobody really knew what we were walking into. I mean, they did, they didn't. <laughs> and um, and after the premiere, everybody got out of the theater pretty much as quickly as possible <laughs> and tried and didn't really talk about it again. I mean, my dad was... One of the top actors in the community theater. He actually won Best Actor Award of the Year for playing King Henry the Fourth and and Henry the Fourth. And uh in nineteen sixty six.
2: Oh wow. <laughs> so how old how old was he when he made uh Manos?
0: Uh he was probably about thirty-four, thirty-five.
2: Okay. And then yeah. it, it debuted, um, I, I, the, I can't, uh, just stress enough people to uh, buy the synapse Blu-ray because you, you do the commentary on there. You mm-hmm. also have, um, a, there's a, there's a great documentary piece on the making of, but there's a, there's a stretch of story about that premiere that you could only, or the, I don't know if it was how could only afford like a limo. And it was picking everybody up a block away and dropping it off. And you were the only one to kind of question why is, why isn't anybody noticing this? same I
0: know I wasn't the only one, but I, I mean, I, I was just, I remember wondering, am I the only one that notices it's the only car and driver, just one car driver. But yeah, we had to wait a block over in the alleyway of the Cortez hotel and, uh, And then the car would come around, pick up a few people, and drop us off to the the lights scanning the sky and the red carpet and the autograph seekers who were hired were the little street kids that live on the border of Mexico. You know, the the ones that wash. Well, I don't know if they do, but they wash the windshields in traffic Mm -hmm. for a little bit of money or clean shoes or. You know, and so he gave them little pads and pencils. I have a couple photographs. You can see little you can see some of these kids in the background. I mean, they didn't speak any English. I'm sure not one of these kids had ever set foot in a theater and the whole cast and crew were white. So it was ridiculous. You know,
2: (laughs) (laughs) it it feels like it feels like something It would make its own great movie. Just just the story of Manos if you were to recreate it
0: some yeah yeah it'd have to be the right person that'd be yeah that'd be tough I mean there's been so many projects about monos, but uh it's like all these different universes it's it's so interesting I'm actually right now talking to people about a documentary I was thinking about another book but then I was approached about doing it as a film Mm -hmm. a documentary that that goes beyond past what my book is about. My book is a behind the scenes of the making of Manos, but I want to focus on all the amazing projects that have been inspired by this horrible film. I mean, puppet theater, Manos to Hands Felt on stage in Seattle. That is amazing. Um, You know, there's uh, well, my film, Manos Returns is one direction. You know, what if debbie stayed with the cult and grew up to become the master right well i'm not a very pleasant person in that <laughs> and now we're working on uh, the monos chronicles and we've already filmed the pilot looking for a distributor but that's debbie if she escaped the valley lodge and now she's uh she's looking at fighting evil in the world
1: Oh wow! You know, That's a great so concept. Asleep.
0: So it's a whole different universe. And then somebody just sent me an email yesterday about a a book he's writing, and I it's just it's crazy that it just keeps expanding. But I got to get back, circle back around to uh, how we how oh, it got yeah. rediscovered.
2: Yeah, how you and, how you found out about um,
0: it? You know, people ask me why. My, me and my dad when he was still living you know how we can have such a good sense of humor about this thing well for me I say it wasn't my fault I was six <laughs> years old you know
2: <laughs> sure
0: uh, but but mainly it, it was like the best time of my life as a kid and uh, my dad and I had uh, a long number of years that we just really didn't see each other and didn't communicate and and when monos came along it gave us that opportunity and i i took every chance i could get to to put it out there in the world so that we could get together and it it worked <laughs> you know, yeah. it brought us
1: together again. wow that's kind of a beautiful story
0: yeah but it happened because you know, I grew up, I'd always remembered it. I held on to those stories, but I never saw it again. And when I got older, I started searching for it at, you know, university libraries, film libraries before internet. And, um, I gave up. And then in 1993, my dad calls me up. He's living on the Oregon coast. And I was in Northern California. He says, you'll never believe what I just saw. (laughs) And, uh, So he told me and I turned on the TV and I immediately called that 800 number in the corner for Comedy Central. I didn't know what was going to happen. It's a Saturday (laughs) afternoon, but it was like I never had I couldn't believe it had a chance. And somebody answered the phone and he said he was in the HBO offices in Manhattan. And I told him they just played this film that my whole family was part of and was there any way I could get a copy and he said well what was the title and I told him and there's this long pause so I I I was like shaking I couldn't believe I was this close and then he's like not there and then he blurts out he goes oh my god are you Debbie
2: So he, well, hold on. So you call an eight hundred number out, and he knows exactly what character you play.
0: In the film they just showed, he says that's one of our favorites here in the HBO offices. (laughs) And I just, he goes, I just had it on my desk a couple days ago, and uh, so he he copied off a VHS copy. I still have it with you know hand titles, and I. Took it and I watched it by myself and I was happy I was like my quest is complete I am happy and so everything that's happened since then is like it's just icing on top it's just so much fun I love getting out there to talk to the fans and go to events and I mean I got to meet I've got to meet a lot of really cool people, but I got to meet Cassandra Peterson, Elvira.
2: Oh, no she way. Yeah.
0: on her show, And she was so excited to meet me. I just couldn't believe <laughs>
1: it. You're like, you're Elvira. I'm excited like, to meet you. Yeah,
0: I know. It was so great. We took pictures together and she signed some stuff for me. <laughs> well,
2: when, wow. When did you know? So it, it's crazy because I I was in college at the time and I think that's when I discovered it. And I, I, rediscovered it when they reissued it on DVD. And I kept telling everybody, I was like, there, there are only a few, I, I love that mystery science theater show. There were only a few episodes that really had me on the floor. That was one of them. <laughs> um, and I, I, I just rediscovered it again. Um, but when did you get a feeling like, Hey, this was bigger than the mystery science theater. Cause I, I know it was one of their most popular episodes of all time as well. It, it showed up quite a bit. But when did you get a sense like, oh, this this thing has really sort of garnered a cult following?
0: Pretty quickly, really. I mean, because they had their Turkey Day Awards and it was named fan favorite like early on. And um, I don't know. I mean, just over the years, it's it's crazy. I've got to meet Frank and Trace a couple of times in person. And I met Joel. Joel wrote the forward to my book. So sweet. I asked him and he just didn't hesitate. He wrote such a beautiful forward and uh, Frank and Trace were so gracious. They, they were having a technical glitch. I think it was in Chicago. They're having, or maybe it was Seattle. I can't remember, but they were having a technical glitch and um, they invited me on stage to kind of entertain the audience for a moment. I think I just found it recently. I think if you do hashtag Jackie Naaman Jones, it should come up. I need to post that. But the audience just, I mean, I was overwhelmed because they had a full crowd and the audience just, like, it was like a standing ovation. I couldn't believe it. They just.
1: Oh, that's
2: fantastic. (laughs)
0: But, but then uh, last month, Frank and Trace did Monos. They rifted on their online show, The Mats mm-hmm. Are Back. And uh, they were getting so much attention once they announced that I was going to be the special guest. And then I talked to Ben Solovey, who did the restoration of Monos. Right. And um, asked if he'd be willing to let them use it. And he did. So they showed the restoration, which was just amazing because it's it's so it's restored like you would treat a, a Hollywood classic <laughs> film. You know, I mean, Ben raised forty eight thousand dollars on Kickstarter, started to restore this and he found it accidentally. He found the original work print that went through the camera in 1966 and he knew what he had because that's what he was doing. He was looking for films to restore. I mean, it's just everything about Manos is there's so many little miracles. It's, it's so strange. I don't know. It's definitely got its own life.
2: So uh, Brad and I were talking cause we we've kind of been
1: uh,
2: watching this film a few times over the week <laughs> you, it's, it's rare when you find a piece of art like this, I'm I'm going to call it art. Cause man, there are, there are very few movies you can get together and have this good a time with, but what makes this movie, I, I think so much fun is things happen. And then you're, you're just shaking your head. Like what was going on there? What did this mean? So I, I, I'm curious, like in terms of plot, cause you've met tons of fans, you've done all of these live appearances, et cetera. I'm I'm just wondering what kind of questions fans ask you about the plot or the story of the film. I'm going to run through mine real quick, and and okay. you can tell me like, nope, I've heard this one. So here here's my list. For example, um, what is Manos? Uh, what is the master? Are they undead? Um, is it just a cult or is it like the first Scientology meetup? Like I, I couldn't understand the, the yeah. extent of it. Um, what the heck is Torgo? Is is he like a zombie? Um, what is wrong with his legs, <laughs> and why does he? Sl- I
0: hear that one a lot. Yeah. What is wrong with his
2: legs? And, and the other one that throws me off every time I see it: Why does Torgo sleep on a pile of dirt, like in the corner of the room? And then, where does he go when he where does loses his hand? Where does he, go? Where does he go? Like, do you have an answer to any of these? Because these, every time I watch what? it, they drive me crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, the like, what is monos and all that? I. I can't really answer <laughs> any of that. Uh, but Torgo, in the original script, there is reference to a satyr.
2: Oh, Hal, that makes sense. Okay. Al
0: was a salesman and he was a dreamer and he has some big plans and big ideas and a very small budget. And so, um, and <laughs> You know, they didn't have effects back then like they do now. I mean, I bet somebody with a phone could do it now. But oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the best they could do. And my as as I said, my dad was in charge of all the sets, the props and the costumes. So and he had a full time job and he's doing everything else. So, um, you know, that was the best he could do with the time. And uh, and budget, which was his pocket, and then the pile of dirt. That's interesting. Um, that also was budget. I guess uh, Hal thought it was a good idea, so they actually moved a pile of dirt into the house. But uh, there was an article that I read something about it. The the judge, <laughs> the judge was kind of annoyed with the way they left the place and and uh, he wasn't happy with the pile of dirt they left in the living room.
2: <laughs> but, uh, okay. Yeah, I, it's
0: the judge who st- owned the property. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I, as soon as I see it, I'm like, why is he sleeping on a pile of dirt? I, I don't understand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is the leg thing, is, is, that the, uh, is that the LSD issue going on? Is that true? Uh, Yeah, yeah.
0: John Reynolds and my dad were friends and i remember seeing him he'd come to our house on occasion and um and he just lived down the street but even as a kid i remember him being you know high on something and uh and also just hearing people talk you know who don't realize there's a Silent, observant kid hanging around. You <laughs> know, I mean, I'm telling you, seven-year-olds pick up a lot. You got to be careful. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, but uh, my dad—they both had depression issues. They were very similar. They were both very sensitive, artistic type people in a time when men weren't supposed to to be sensitive or artistic. You know, or to express those things, men are men, you know, women, go make dinner.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so that brings up a good question. Um, I've heard some crazy myths about the film. Uh, And and some of them, I guess, tied to John, because I read at some point people were saying there's this uh, Manos curse and that resulted in John's (laughs) untimely death. So what are some of the craziest myths about the film that people ask you about or that you end up debunking? I I think you do some of this in your book, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of them is that I read somewhere that they said that the knee braces that John was wearing caused so much pain that he became addicted to painkillers and that's what led to his suicide. Well, the film was shot in like Two weekends and some long evenings, you know, about eight days in all to, fill, to shoot the whole thing. Right. So right. you don't necessarily, I don't know how you can get addicted to painkillers to the point of suicide in that point of time. Uh, also I watched my dad making those. And I remember, I remember in between scenes, John, John Reynolds walking around in a, and, um, uh, and, um, he was just a sweet guy. He'd hang out with me sometimes when nothing else was going on. And uh he'd walk silly and you know, he'd just like act up for me like an uncle, you know, he's a sweet man and, and uh so he'd like uh exaggerate it sometimes just for fun. He's- but yeah, it was uncomfortable, I'm sure, but not necessarily painful. So that's one of them. Mono's curse, that's ridiculous. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so what did your father think about the film? Um and, and kind of its legacy. I, I I gotta tell you, my favorite part of the commentary is you guys are talking about it and he just starts laughing and he just blurts out, This thing is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and he just can't stop laughing. But
0: that was cracking me. when he said that you go, Oh God, this is awful. Yeah. So um,
2: I assume he recognized how much fun it is to watch with a group, but I mean, did yeah. did he understand the impact of it um, at that point?
0: Oh yeah, because um, my friend Rick, who lives here in town, I live, I li- we live in a town of a thousand people, and my dad lived in here as well. But um, his his wife is really what came between us for many years but when Monos started getting all this following I don't know why but for some reason that was an acceptable form or acceptable way for us <clears throat> to spend time together if it was monos related and my friend Rick became our mutual place where we could meet up and and be and that's where we actually watched it and and Rick filmed that commentary for us but um forgot where i was going with that just uh oh my dad you know i'd, I'd go to conventions and and then i do well i'd always relay things that the fans said or or pe- messages people wanted to tell him and mm-hmm. i just always enjoyed being able to tell people that the master approved
1: <laughs> oh that's <laughs> awesome that's yeah that's awesome
0: yeah. He loved it though. He just, he had a great sense of humor. He got a big kick out of it. It's like, he wasn't responsible either. I mean, if you, if you really watch it, especially with the restoration, you get a different appreciation of it because yeah, the editing synchronicity, it was, um, it was shot without sound. So it was dubbed very quickly. It was edited basically in the new, the local news station at night you know and this is in the days where you know all broadcasting ends at a certain time (laughs) and and there's nothing to watch so um just the way it was done it's a miracle it even got finished and I think that's one of the things that people really appreciate is as horrible as it is as many mistakes as there are there there is a certain charm to it and And you can tell that people are being earnest. They're not trying to parody. They're not making poking fun at themselves. These are a group of people doing their very best. And, and they were certainly frustrated for sure. I know, um, Bernie Rosenblum and, and, uh, Bob Goudry, who were the cameraman and crew and stuntman, um, they were best friends, and they were, they were characters anyway. They like pranking, and so they when they started getting frustrated, they started like testing Hal's powers of observation. They started calling him "Oh Manos," the cans of mangoes, the cans of fruit, <laughs> and they were calling. They had, they had names for Hal. You know, like I don't know, like. Some Nazi dictator, and they, they, you know, they had little names for him. And you'll see in one scene where my dad's holding his arms out. There's a beer bottle. They, they left that there to see if Hal would notice.
2: notice. <laughs> you know. Oh, that's hot. There, I, I remember. I think during the hand sequence, there's lighter fluid in the background or, or something of that. Yeah, answer. that
0: was probably a mistake. But yeah, <laughs> the the hand was doused in lighter fluid. And but then, you know, there was only one hand. My dad only sculpted one hand, so it had to be one shot. and did, So that had to stay.
2: And I think your dad had this amazing story in the commentary that he had that hand in the trunk of his car and, <laughs> <laughs> and somebody opened the trunk.
1: Oh, gosh. He
0: got pulled over.
2: <laughs> oh, that's what it was. Yeah.
0: Oh, no, no. That's right. Yeah. So he was executive director of the South El Paso Boys Club, which was like less than a mile from the border. And he would do, uh, they do meals where the families would come and the women would make these amazing meals, you know, homemade yeah. tamales and uh, just really all this wonderful food. And uh, so my dad pulled up with the food for the dinner. And after the shoot, after they were done with this hen and it's all singed and burned and everything. Dad just like tossed it in the trunk of the car and forgot about it. So it's rolling around <laughs> the trunk for a couple of weeks. Then he loads up all the food for this uh, dinner at the boys' club. And as he's unloading, uh, an older Mexican gentleman comes up and starts helping him unload. And he takes a box and he sees this charred hand in there. And, you know, I mean, you just got to understand the circumstances. A lot of bad things happen on the border. <laughs> and and those were some dark days. And this poor guy, he leapt back and he tripped over himself. He's like, ay, por Dios, and, you know, we're <laughs> running off. And who knows? I mean, it's like we were speculating. Who knows what? family stories live to this day about the <laughs> boys club director with the grizzly hand in his
1: trunk what was the hand made out of do you remember
0: let's see he, i wish i had see i made one myself for monos returns i replicated it uh-huh. to the best of my ability with latex and and i burned it and uh, the bones sticking out or uh pieces of wood and Anyway, I have it belted on my costume during Mono's Return. So. But what did he make it? Of? It was like, I think he sculpted it out of something like um, car, pul- I mean, car, uh, the foam, you know, from or oh, yeah. uh, seats, that stiffer, heavier stuff. He, mm-hmm. I think he sculpted it. Okay. And then uh, he probably stained it. And then they, I, I do remember them dousing in lighter fluid, right? where they lit it on fire.
1: (laughs) One time, one shot at that Yeah, you get one take at it.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, because initially it was supposed to be, Torgo was supposed to have it as he ran off into the desert, but Hal Hal saw right away that that shot wasn't really going to work. It was going to give you the impact for all the work that went into creating that hand. So he had it come off and dad held it up. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that was actually a good director's uh, director choice there. So, the, hey, I hell, hell got it right that time. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I did want to ask a question about Debbie's motivation, because it seems like uh, Debbie was either asleep or sleepy uh, the entire movie. Was that like your character's motivation? Was that your direction you were given? Or do you remember anything about I- that?
0: I remember very little direction. I mean, not that Al was ever <laughs> unkind to me, but I—the only like time that I really remember him talking directly to me—well, a couple times. If uh, if I said a line and I said, "Is that okay?" or I thought it was too quiet, he'd be like, "No, it's fine. We'll fix it in the lab." I mean, nobody told me that it was shot silent so i had no idea until the premiere that my voice was going to be dubbed
2: oh that's right uh was it it wasn't just you though was it all the female everybody, characters everybody dubbed? right
0: all the women oh, were yeah, dubbed that's... by one person <laughs> one woman and and she including my voice
1: wow <laughs> yeah because wasn't the camera only capable of shooting like 32 seconds of film at a time and so that's why I, Everything is so basically short.
0: Yeah, it's it's called a Filmo 70. It was a, uh, a very oh. industrial type of camera that was used for war footage in Korea and Vietnam. And it did, it was a wind-up camera. It didn't need an external power source because they didn't have the electricity out there, as I remember. So, I mean, it was the shots were were lighted by like car headlights and things like that, you know, whatever was available. But yeah. So it was, uh, if they had electricity, it was very limited, but yeah, it was a windup and it only shot 32 seconds.
2: Yeah. And I, t- I think the, f- if, cause I remember seeing something about that camera, the focus is on the side of it. So the reason why some of those scenes are out of focus was they, they just didn't, operate it correctly. Like if you're too close or too far away, whatever that focal point is, you're just out of focus and they just kept shooting. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then because the film is so expensive uh, and because of budget again, and time constraints, they had to use practically everything they shot. I mean, if you watch the the restoration, the commentary, there really wasn't a whole lot of bloopers because they used practically everything.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, I I love the story, especially the first part. You you get a lot of sort of travelog footage of of the family driving around, and and I guess in post production that's where the credits were supposed to go, but they forgot to put them in there.
0: Yeah, and then by the time Hal realized it, it was too late. You know, <laughs> I mean, just didn't have access to the, the I don't know. I I don't know for sure, but yeah, initially the credits were supposed to go on that beginning driving scene, but, uh, they got left off. And so you have, what is it like a six minute driving scene?
2: It it's almost as long as the, uh, the, the wives fighting in the sand or whatever (laughs) that goes on forever.
0: (laughs) And I'm sure the driving scene was left practically in its entirety because of uh just squeezing in every shot to get it to be long enough.
1: Yeah, the feature. Long length. enough film. Yeah. 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 Can you talk about Hal's motivation to make this movie?
0: Yeah, from what I understand is that um I mean he'd been an entertainer. He he'd been uh doing on stage comedy, he grew up in New York, um you know he'd been entertaining since he was like sixteen, and he was heavily involved in the community theater in El Paso. And uh, but he did a lot of things. He's a salesman. You know he could really sell. And he saw he was in that play Henry the the fourth. And he looked around. He saw. I mean, pretty much all the male characters came from that play. But he had always had a dream of uh, bringing the film industry to the Southwest. I mean, his ultimate goal was he knew he wasn't going to make a good movie, but he knew that that the potential for that area in film, you know, the, the support it would get from the community and the weather for being consistent and the wide open, the desert and all that. Uh, so he figured in the end, he would be known as the guy who brought the film industry to the Southwest, but he never expected to be the guy that made the worst. movie. <laughs> yeah,
2: that was probably not his intention. You, you had mentioned something and and we just totally interrupted you and said, no, you, you gotta, you gotta save that for the show. But you said something about Playboy magazine. What What was that? Oh, about? yes, yes.
1: <laughs>
0: I got a copy around here somewhere. Um, Yeah, in 2015, I got interviewed by Playboy magazine. There was a big, um, almost a war going on between Hal Warren's son and me and Ben Sullivan, who was doing the restoration. Hal Warren's son was claiming that his father was, his father's film was uh, protected and that we were infringing and that um, he was insisting that he get a piece of anything we do. Uh-huh. And it's, it's funny because it's not like I'm making a living at this. I don't know <laughs> what he wants a piece of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so anyway, Playboy ended up doing a seven-page article in 2015. And uh, I'm the main person they interviewed. And it begins with my name. <laughs> Oh, wow. Jackie and jones And so anyway, um, at that time, like I said, in a town of a thousand people, my brother-in-law was the mayor. My sister was a teacher at the high school. And I was not only on the school board, but I was running the arts council. So, <laughs> I mean, just having a family dinner was a quorum. You know, we weren't so... <laughs> so you were
2: passing laws for the city at every dinner. <laughs>
0: Right. No, we weren't. But uh, so so I was interviewed for Playboy, and uh, my son comes home from school that day, and and you got to know too the entire school district, kindergarten through twelfth, is like two hundred kids, so everybody knows everybody. And he walked in the door, and I just gotten it in the mail, and I held it up. I go, guess what, honey? Your mom's in Playboy magazine this month.
2: Oh gosh. <laughs> you probably blew his mind. Oh
0: my god. Yeah, he was like a he was like a junior in high school. So he, I never saw I thought he was gonna pass out. He went it's like all the color left his face. And I was like, it's just an article. Just- <laughs> no
2: pictures. That's but crazy. Yeah, that
0: was great. But I've also I mean I've been interviewed for um crack.com and Upworthy and Entertainment Weekly and there's been some really some really fun ones out there. <laughs>
2: well you you talked about it, what what is amazing and and I'm I've I, I got to be honest here br- when we had the chance it's like oh we're going to talk with Jackie. I flipped out a little bit. So I'm like I love that film. And then we started doing some research and I had no idea how many things have come out after that. You've talked about a few of these but there's the Portland, Oregon parody. It's like a stage production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you already talked about the Seattle, Washington puppet show, Manos, The Hands of Felt. Uh, there's video games based on this film. Is, it, is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, like a Nintendo style video game. There's uh, a dice game, uh, you know, like with the Dungeons and Dragons kind of dice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a, like a little card game. There's trading cards, um, coloring books, uh, films, several films.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, so you did the sequel, the Manos Returns, right? Uh-huh. And there's a prequel, The Rise of Torgo.
0: Yeah, David Roy did that one.
2: Okay. Um, and then
0: there's a documentary that has... I mean they got some things right for sure and and I give them credit because they found people that through them I was able to get in touch with and you know it helped expand my monos world as well people yeah. I was fortunate enough to find some people that either knew people from the original or were part of it that I could interview for my book so I'm so glad I wrote it when I did well some of these people are still around.
2: Yeah, the book, um, Growing Up Manos, The Hands of Fate, How I Was a Child Star of the Worst Movie Ever Made and Lived to Tell the Story. You want to talk about that a little bit? So is it's just the um, kind of the stories around the making of the film, right? It, it's it's not all the stuff afterwards. It, it really focuses on the making of.
0: Right. I mean, it goes into some of the stuff afterward up until that point. The book came out in 2015. So I mentioned oh, okay. a couple of the the later projects but it mostly focuses on uh well it starts with what it was like in the 60s to kind of give you a feel for not only the 60s but living in El Paso in that part of the world and uh and then it goes on into um you know how the film was thought of to begin with you know how how came up with the idea and and move forward on that and how we found his actors. And then I talk about, uh, the individual people as, you know, like, uh, there's a whole chapter on John Reynolds and, and I talk about the behind the scenes, how all the props and sets came together. And yeah, you know, it's just pretty much the whole behind the scenes story from, you know, from anything that I could find in my research. And I was very fortunate to meet, uh, Laura Mazzuka Toops who is also an author who lives in Chicago,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we have been on Facebook, and uh, she became my partner and editor for the book. And uh, so I wrote it, but she just made it magic.
2: <laughs> and it's <laughs> you it, know it's, it's got things- so many good reviews on Amazon and and other places. I mean it it, it definitely the the Manos fans love it. I mean, you, you definitely, that that comes through on all of the, the like consumer reviews and stuff for it.
0: I'm proud to say, you know, that I'm four and a half stars. I wrote a very good book about a really bad movie.
2: (laughs) That's
1: an accomplishment,
2: man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I wanted to follow up with that. Like Manos is over 50 years old and here we are still talking about it. The legacy of the legacy of the film lives on. Do you know why, like, why do you, why is, why are we talking about Manos hands of fate in, in 2022 lovingly?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I finally came to the realization. I've just been saying this to my family, like just in the last month, I said, we're at a tipping point. I mean, I, I would see Manos. It would, in the beginning, you know, it caught this, Fan base, and it was fun, and I got to talk to people and meet people, and then you know it kind of smoothed out, and, then, and I said that was great, that was so much fun, <laughs> and then a little while would go by, and all of a sudden something would happen, and it'd go up again, and then it'd flatten up, and it's done that over the years, and each time it flattens off, for many years I thought that was the end of it, and I was just always satisfied with what i had gotten from it and uh but lately when it takes off again it's just it's getting bigger it's expanding it's growing and things like uh, frank and trace choosing the restoration of monos for their christmas show was pretty amazing i mean <laughs>
2: Yeah. That, I mean, that's a bigger audience. I, if, if nobody has ever seen the film, I know there's a bunch of different ways to view it. Um, I, I know like I, I own a couple of copies of it, but mm-hmm. how would you recommend people discover this? Would, should they just go right for that restoration? Cause I gotta tell you that restoration looks gorgeous. There are some scenes in there, even though it's shot with that war camera, Um, Mm -hmm. the blues are so vibrant in some of like the, the wall and stuff like that. And, And even the costumes are really great, but how, how would you recommend people watch it?
0: Um, I mean, just from what I've heard from people over the years, I would recommend watching the MST version first because with their riffing helps give things some reference, but, um, you know the restoration is definitely worth watching because um, it's it's amazing how clear it is. I mean, yeah. they clean that thing up just frame by frame. You can imagine this film had been on this reel for fifty years, and it wasn't. And you can imagine the frenzied uh, editing sessions. Uh, where they had only so much time because, you know, the studio was going to open in a couple hours, and they had to get get out of there. And so, you know, there's uh, Scotch tape that's fifty years old, yellowed, and fingerprints, and oh man, uh, you know, there was a lot. I, you know, most probably what MST shows is who knows a copy of a copy of a copy. Who knows how many in that one is. So it's muddy, but you get the you get the story. Yeah. And uh I would also recommend watching it with friends. Um I heard one guy ask what would be a good first movie for a date for a woman who'd never seen Mystery Science Theater. And there was plenty of people that said anything but mud. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, you got to you got to ease people into that. Um,
0: yeah, even I recommended it. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. That's pretty bold. I mean, if you want to see her again,
2: yeah, <laughs> you're throw, you're you're swinging for the fences. Um, <laughs> so when when Brad and I we do the podcast and we have people come on, I'm always interested, especially you know people who make films and who star in films what their personal taste is in movies so brad and i usually ask a couple of questions so i ask the first one um like on a personal level what's your favorite movie of all time
0: oh man that's that's hard you know i just watched a movie that i hadn't seen in a few years and uh it just happened that i walked into my kid's house and it was on and i i sat down and I, I forgot how good this was so I came back and I watched it really closely, but uh, the Ballad of Buster Scrubs. Ooh! I yes. Wow! I love yes. that movie. I love the stories. I love how they're told. I love the depth. In fact, I got to go back and look again because I was saying, "What about that one story um, called uh, Oh Meal Ticket?" about the guy without the arms and the legs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leslie Nielsen is the, you know. And I thought, man, I I watched him so closely, the way he could act and tell so much with just his expression and the look in his eye. And I had to think back and go, did he ever speak in that whole, I don't know, I, I don't even remember him saying any words
2: that's a great pick yeah
0: a lot so that and then that led me again to oh brother where art thou oh man so those are the kind of movies i like
1: so the coen brothers (laughs)
0: yeah apparently so yeah that's true i mean i love all those films i love pulp
2: fiction i love Oh no! Yeah, that's Brad's favorite. You shouldn't have said oh, that.
0: There you go. Yeah. That's another
2: hour of just us talking about <laughs> pulp fiction. I gotta go
0: watch that again. I, I'm making a list, but recently I watched The Martian. That was amazing. And Don't Look Up. Oh wow! I the end yeah. of that. I loved it so much. That would be me. That would be my family. That's that's how I would do it.
2: Those are awesome. But I, I love your taste in films. I mean,
1: yes, I, I do.
0: Too. <laughs> high praise, man. Well, right. I just found out about that new um, platform about film. What's it called? Where you can put in your favorite. Oh,
1: Letterboxd.
0: Letterboxd. They just signed up. And, and that's great because now I'm looking at it and, you know, getting to see what some other people are watching and getting
1: more ideas i'm gonna find i'm gonna find john letterboxd and i'll follow you on yeah. there <laughs> that's also, awesome
0: i just started reading again i used to love to read and i just finished reading memoirs of the geisha what an amazing book and then i saw there's a film on netflix so i can't wait to watch that and compare it to the depth of the book i don't know how they could possibly
2: i uh i've seen the, the yeah. film's gorgeous i i really love it i've never read the book the film is gorgeous you're gonna yes. i yep. think you'll if 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 you the based on the movies that you've listed I, I really think you're gonna like that one
1: okay good so what's next what's next for for manos
0: oh well um well, for Monos is this idea of the documentary, uh, the the Monos Chronicles. Please go to YouTube and look up the the teaser trailer for the Manos Chronicles. I love it. It is so good, and I've seen the whole thing, not completely edited, but I've seen the the rough cut, and I just I'm amazed at how Good it is. Uh, Willow Polson, who's creating it, is so detail-oriented. And her husband, Craig, who did the cinematography doing the editing. I mean, the way they work together is I I just I just really hope we get a distributor and can do this. I'm really excited about this project. And then um, and then I I've been teaching painting classes, you know, the paint and sit parties for a number of years right. and then, you know, COVID. So I've been testing out online ideas and um, the producer of the Mads, I talked to him uh, after the Mads show was so successful. I told him I had this idea that I've been teasing out there about doing online painting classes that are MST related. And uh, so that's a so great reading,
2: idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, right. So I'm working on some ideas right now and he's helping me to do that. And he'll help me promote it. And we're figuring out the platform and, and how to set it up. It'll probably be kind of like a subscription. So then, you know, you have access to all of these and you can watch them live or you can download it for later. And uh, so I'm working on that right now. And I really hope to have that off the ground by the middle of February.
2: Oh, that I love that idea. I, I will say um, I, I love the Etsy store. I, I mean, you've got mono scarves. I think you've got an outfit for dogs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I yeah, I've sold a few for little <laughs> masters for your little master, for your little master.
2: Yeah. And then um, I, yeah. I love the reproduction of the master uh, painting that you do on there, too. It's fantastic. I, I would encourage anybody if if you like this film or, you know, somebody who likes this film, you've got to go check out that store. It's It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, Jackie's Mono, son Etsy. But you got to spell Jackie right.
2: So That's right. With an e. There's an E in there. There's an E in there. <laughs>
0: E-Y, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: Jackie, I can't thank you. enough. I I just looked up. I'm like, was that, was that an hour? Um, uh. <laughs> it flew by. <laughs> you, you are such an amazing person. Thank you for just taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to a couple fans.
0: Oh, uh. Well, thank you. I just want to say it's cracking me up here. Uh, I keep looking at myself here. You know, um, before we came on, you know, I was running around looking for my my camera, and so I look all fuzzy. I want you to know it's not. I'm not doing the Doors Day look.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fantastic. Like I said, it's it's a it's a pleasure. I've I'm so jealous of this experience that you've had with your father and being able to like uh, make a movie then rediscover it and then take that and just, um, you know, watch it grow and, and that yeah. be your thing. So, uh, I'm, I'm really grateful you just took time to share those stories, you know, cause they, they mean a lot to us because I think it, um, Manos is just a special film. I, I think Brad kind of talked about it. We talk about it with a lot of love just because it's, it's, it's one of the few films out there you can sit down and watch and, you know, it it's made with good intention and, yeah. Uh, it's all there. Like everybody wears their talent and everything they're trying to do on their sleeve. Some of it works. And, and even when it doesn't work, it works. It's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. I just, I just feel really blessed to be part of it. I mean, it really serves who I am. I mean, I'm a quirky, you know, kind of nerdy artistic person. And I just, I, I love the MST fans. They're they're my people, you know, and I just want to end this on saying, I was talking to my daughter-in-law the other day and we were talking about, I can't remember who, but somebody that, that does something odd for a living. And I go, I said, what an odd way to make a living in the night, went, look who's talking.
2: <laughs> no, it's, I, Hey, I love the fact that you've embraced um, the culture that's around this I love that you referenced fireside theater. So I'm just going to throw that out there. I, I thought <laughs> yeah. I was the only one that uh, my sister used to listen uh, to it. So, um, yeah, but no, yeah. this, this is so much fun. Um, thank you again.
1: Yes. Thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah. And we, I, like Troy said, thank you for keeping the legacy of this film alive. I think it's important for people to be able to see something that people made with so much, love and sure it, it didn't come out the way everyone wanted it to but it lives on now i've i've had more conversations about manos than i've had about some of the best films of all time and i think that says something right so yeah. art is arts and if it gets a reaction out of people that it, it's done what it's supposed to do i um, mean manos <laughs> definitely has that effect on people
0: it brings people together
1: and, and now there's this whole new
0: younger group of people because their moms and dads are making them watch <laughs>
2: it. <laughs> well, yeah, Brad and I are subjecting our kids to it as much as possible. Oh, so
0: <laughs> good. Good. Well, I'm still around. So if you know of any events, I'm, I'm ready to – this year I would really like to get out to some more –
2: conventions and such so awesome well if we see your name on a convention we're going because we want to meet you in person this is this okay. has been just such a treat
0: well it's great meeting you troy brad thanks for having me
2: no yeah, thank, thank you, you. Okay, I know I don't know about you, Brad. That that was awesome.
1: She definitely bought the playbook for the uh, article. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She's the one person, yeah. Um, man, but amazing, amazing, and I love the fact that essentially her father and their relationship had kind of been was you know basically non-existent for a long time, and yeah, it was fractured. Manos brought them back together, and if without that movie, they might have gone you know, strange forever. And to, to hear the story that it brought them together and, and they got to reconnect based on this movie is kind of a really beautiful story. It, it, it got me kind of emotional a little bit. Cause I don't know, man. Like I, I, I just think sometimes things happen in life for a reason. And in mottos was that thing for them and it reconnected them and it's beautiful.
2: I agree. I've I've always had a soft spot in my heart for this film just because it's so much fun to watch with a group. Uh, but hearing more stories about the people affected by it and even Jackie's story, it makes me love the movie a little bit more. And I, I got to be honest with you. It just floored me how many other projects this movie has influenced from the video games to the sequels and prequels and coloring
1: I'm going to find those coloring books. Dude, I want to so bad. We're
2: going to Seattle, Washington to watch this puppet show, Man- Manos, the Hands of Felt. Like I, that is on my bucket <laughs> list now. But um, <laughs> no, seriously, uh, Jackie was amazing. I, I think you and I were a little bit nervous to sit down and talk with her um, because it's, I don't know, it's just intimidating when yeah when you're just talking to somebody who you, you kind of have watched their art <laughs> for so long. And, and we
1: have a piddly old podcast and she's like, no, I want to come on and talk to you guys. I'm like, no, we want you to come on our show to <laughs> yeah. talk to us. That was <laughs> it's awesome. not how this works. Yes.
2: No, she, she was a delight, but I, I just wanted to spend a few minutes. So you and I got a chance to revisit Manos. I, I watch it. Um, I watch the MST three K version on a regular basis, I think. And I, I really like the Blu-ray. Um, it's, it's great. It, it even has a grindhouse cut. Which is a lot of fun to watch. But I'm I'm curious, Brad. You you got to revisit this. Um, did you watch it by yourself or with people?
1: I did. I had to watch it by myself, which is a little weird, but I've seen it so many times, and it's only 74 minutes. Yeah. And the first feels like the first 15 is that car driving for a while. (laughs) And you can kind of speed up through that. It's when they get to the house where it, it kind of gets into the film for me. Um, but that MS3K stuff is some of the best jokes about films i've ever heard um and but i there's something about this movie and and i think in the interview we touched on it the earnestness that they had when they were making this it wasn't like they set out to make a terrible film um i i would argue that the guy who the um what's his name tom tom reynolds or name uh, i'm sorry uh, harold reynolds. warren
2: director harold it. yeah
1: yeah but how like was really trying to do something and really had a grand scheme and had a grand plan for this movie. I mean, obviously it didn't come together like you wanted it to, but they all set out and everyone is going for it. Um, and I applaud that. I, I have wanted to make a movie my entire life. Um, I'm going to be 40 very soon. And I've never done that. Um, and, you know, so, so I respect people who have, put together a feature league film and have done it so uh it's kind of cool just to see it um but boy it is a uh, it is a weird movie it is a real weird movie uh and into and, and to know that people were just bringing stuff from their house to you know make props and all that stuff it's 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 insane it is what it, it's insane it, it, it is. really is insane
2: um, and I, I got to say, uh, Tom Nyman, John Reynolds, so the master and Torgo, uh, I live for those roles. I mean, I, I think you you nailed it. They are 100% vested in those performances. And to me, they make the film as much as the weirdness is that goes on in the background. I mean, it, it, there, I, I even, I even asked Jackie, I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> in yeah. the interview, she's like, I, I don't know. Um, we just threw a bunch of dirt in the house, and <laughs> climbed on top of it. And we so. forgot to
1: clean it up. And yeah. we forgot to clean yeah. it up.
2: But it's, it's that oddness that really gets me giddy when I'm watching this film. Like, I feel like movies try to be this intentionally. Um, I, I think they try to be inept, but they miss the point of what this movie is, which is they're really trying to tell a story. And they're trying to bring some kind of uh, artistic, <laughs> their own artistic merits to the screen, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. I just, I have so much fun with it. And I always, every time I watch it, I always catch something else. And I'm like, ooh, I didn't notice that. Like, I watched this movie twice. I, I watched the uh, Blu-ray cut. Um from Synapse, which I think is a fantastic uh edition. I went back and revisited some of the commentary. Um because Jackie and her Is father that the
1: restoration? Is that the That's the, the restoration? Res- yeah.
2: Restored version? Okay. Yep. It's the special edition, which um I mean if you like manos, you have to own this one just because of the restoration, the audio commentaries. There's like three different um documentaries on it. There's a grindhouse unrestored version of the film on it. Um and and so I watched that. And then immediately after I got done, I'm like, man, I got, I got to watch that mystery science theater version. And then I popped yep. that back in. And, uh, it's one of the few things that make me laugh out loud every time I watch it. But even, even in the restoration process, there are sequences when, when, uh, the master rises and all of a sudden he wakes up his brides and then they cut and the brides are sitting in a circle arguing with each other <laughs> and you see the master's expression, like, Oh shit. <laughs> it makes me, you don't need mystery science theater for that sequence. It is hilarious. Um, and it. I, I don't know. There's, there's so much about this film that I just really enjoy and it has a look to it. I, I mean, say what you will, I'll, I'll fight you over this thing, even with it's out of focus shots and everything else. It has a, a more of a unique look than most films, most artistic films, even today. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and the master has definitely a look. I mean, he wears a thing that has two hands on it. It
2: <laughs> I want that robe his, so bad.
1: His robe is awesome. And now that I know that she will make a robe, I might try to order one. But um yeah, yeah, man, like you know, you got a guy running around on set who's high on L S D, uh, you know, a, a a girl who is six years old and is trying to figure things out and is given no direction um,
2: and is constantly falling asleep on the couch. Like I, I yeah. feel like the parents were giving her NyQuil. <laughs> she well, I mean, it was, it was being
1: shot at night. Yeah. I'm sure yep. she was, you know, tired. Um But the, the thing that always gets me is the end where like he's shooting the gun and like he shoots it and then he shoots it at the door. Then there's a cut and then the master standing there and then there's a shot of the gun again. You're like, I, I you know, the, the continuity in this movie there, it's like non-existent, but it, it, um, it plays
2: a bit like a fever dream almost.
1: It does. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, there's a kernel of like really good ideas in this uh, yeah. movie that I think could live on and, and do and do. And, and like, like we were saying in the uh, interview, this movie is over 50 years old and I still watch it. And it's like, I can't tell you the last time I watched Schindler's list. Schindler's list is arguably one of the best movies of all time. I don't know when the last time I had a conversation about Schindler's list, but I will go to bat for Manos, (laughs) hands of fate. And uh, so again, man, it's like art is supposed to make you feel something. And this movie, um, whether that's good or bad, uh, makes me feel something and yes it's a terrible movie um it is not good but uh it's enjoyable to watch um it's enjoyable to be around people when they first experience it yes I remember my friend um seeing it for the first time and just you know that music <laughs> for a while he's like what are you doing to me <laughs> then they get to that house and you know it, it all changes but uh but yeah and then that poor dog. And boy, it's every, it's weird. It's weird. It is insane. Um, but it's beautiful.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I I'm sitting here thinking about it. Um, and what was great to hear is sort of the movies that Jackie even likes, which kind of blew my mind. I know you were on cloud seven with the Quentin Tarantino thing.
1: I was um, even on cloud nine.
2: Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be higher than seven, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh,
1: the saying is cloud nine. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Dude, this thousand.
2: whole episode is our manos episode yeah, <laughs> of exactly. Not a Bomb. Um God, what the hell was I saying?
1: Uh she was talking about Pulp Fiction.
2: Yeah, I lost it. Oh, yeah. wait. No? Yeah. And the Brothers
1: and all of her, her films that she likes.
2: I'm just I, I, I don't know. I love this. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. I am sitting here thinking about the fact that I've seen Manos in some version, right? Mystery Science Theater, whatever. And probably, haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia? Yeah, I was just going to say that. I've seen Manos like 12 plus times, and I've never sat down to watch Lawrence of Arabia. And I'm telling you right now, I would probably watch the a Mystery Science Theater version <laughs> of Manos again at some yeah, point, I, maybe before Lawrence of Arabia. I don't know.
1: It might be one of the greatest things ever put to, put to disc is uh, that episode for sure.
2: It is. If, if I, I'm telling you right now, if, if you consider yourselves like a movie fan and you better have some version of this film in your library, in my opinion, and, and especially the mystery science theater version, cause that, that thing is just comedy gold.
1: Yeah. Is it easy to get a hold of, can you get that DVD pretty easily?
2: Uh, I, I don't know. I assume so. I mean, I bought mine the day it came out. Um, well, okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I'm, I'm that guy, but, uh, no, and the Blu-ray, uh, if if you want to see this film look its best, that Synapse Blu-ray is pretty fantastic. It got to the point where uh, when I was watching it, I totally noticed, and I don't know if you saw this, but there's a sequence where um, the mom and the girl are, are laying in bed, and it's so clear that you see how dirty the mom's feet is, like
1: oh, filthy.
2: Is yeah, yep. and you're like, yep. what is going on? But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, well, and, I
1: mean, they're yeah, they're in that house. There's a dirt pile in that house. It's probably dirty.
2: Oh, I know. But it, it, the Blu-ray, because it's so clear when they're slapping each other or they're trying to do these stunt falls, it even looks um, more ridiculous, which makes it better, which is a contradiction. But I, I'm telling you, I don't know. I, I don't trust people who, who don't like this film. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because you can't have fun, right? I mean, I would not recommend sitting at home on a Saturday night by yourself and watching this movie, but having some people over and and having that experience together is something that everyone should do if they like movies or just if they like being able to make fun of stuff. We've all done the riff tracks on this movie um, with our friends um, and you and I are going to be seeing each other relatively soon and it's like we watching Manos. We gonna watch Manos, maybe. Yeah, Probably, maybe. Yeah, too. I I don't know. Yeah, it's seventy four minutes. That's the thing. It's like it's just like a long TV show.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, and it, it flies by in my opinion, especially when when you're watching with the right people. No, it was it was so much fun, and I really loved having an excuse to go back and and revisit it. And uh, now I need to go buy Jackie's book because I'm really interested in some of those stories, and I need to crack that sucker open.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want to hunt down those coloring books really bad because my kids are in the coloring books. And of course I have to color with them, but I'm like, man, can we get some Manos coloring books in the house? That'd be awesome.
2: You think Amazon has Manos? Dude, I'm going to find out tonight. Yep. You know, that's, that's what like- we may be doing when we get together is coloring <laughs> Manos coloring books. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Well, look, uh, it's a first for us. Like, we we interviewed a superstar. Yeah. Um that was a lot of fun and uh, I guess we're we're getting back to our regular scheduled programming, right?
1: Yes, we have a little change though, Troy. We wanted to announce that uh Predator 2 is getting pushed back just a couple, uh, weeks. We were, just a couple yeah, weeks, just a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, just a couple weeks. Uh we had a, a few issues mainly cuz uh we want, football
2: <laughs> we want a guest on and yes. they live in another country. Uh, and we are bending over backwards to make this happen because we, we really love talking with this guest. So, uh, we are not doing predator two without this guest. So what are we doing, Brad? We're, we're doing something special for February, right?
1: Yeah. So February is the month of love because, uh, Valentine's day is February 14th for those who don't know. And you and I, by the grace of God have, uh, found people that wanted to spend their whole lives with us. So we are both <laughs> married, Like I, like I said, <laughs> by the grace of God. Uh, and we decided for February, why don't we have the ones that we love pick the movies for us? Um, because they know,
2: I don't know what they know at this point.
1: What hurts us the most? <laughs> and, I, I get. I thought. Uh, yeah. I
2: I thought they loved us, but uh, no, you're right. So um, Tabitha is is going to program two films, and, and Natalie's programming two films. Right?
1: That is that is correct. So and, our wives will be picking our films,
2: and they're they're bombs um, that they like.
1: Or yeah, or they know that we will just hate so much that it will drive us crazy. Oh, so, I no. Um,
2: I, my wife really. Yeah, yeah, she
1: does like the pest. Yeah. Well, Sorry. there you go. That's the next yeah. one we're doing. Yeah, we're doing the pest.
2: Yeah. So look, if you're, and like, that will be
1: the last episode <laughs> of this podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we are not offended if you're going. You know what? I think I'm going to wait for Predator Two, and I'll catch you guys uh, in March. That's cool.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I. We were just talking today. I was like, man. Our last run of episodes has just been super popular. Yeah, traffic to our website, engagement, all of it is up like just through the roof. Yes, and then we're like, yeah, let's do this and shit on all of them. But you know, (laughs) it's gonna be fun. Uh, You can hear us moan and groan for I don't know Uh. it was (laughs) for a while. And it's also funny. We we have some people that regularly are on our show. Been kind of quiet. Yeah, they're like, some nope, of the um, films that were like no. Although one no.
2: person immediately wanted to be on an episode, and it shocked me. I'm going to save that for a surprise because I did not, in a million years, ever think this person liked this film. But uh, oh,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yep, yep, yep. So all right. Um, yeah. So February should be pretty fun. Um, and then we'll have some special things again uh Cowboy Bebop we did record a new episode of that so that will be coming out as well yes um we've been busy yeah we have been busy we've podcasted a lot in the last few weeks and i've i've enjoyed it it uh it, it's 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 also nice to see kind of the fruits of your labor kind of people engaging more and uh listening more and and growing our audience um uh, so it's not all for nothing yeah
2: no, and I, I, hey, we got a chance to talk with um, Jackie, and I I am so excited for that. So I it, I would have never ever thought we we would get you know that opportunity to talk to somebody that's associated to a, a film of. Yeah, of that but she's statue. like, yeah, my
1: so, friend is Elvira. <laughs> yeah, <We're> like <laughs> oh, okay, oh, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> no, um, it it was great. So uh, listen, a, a big shout out to Jackie. She's super busy, and we we were just excited um, to kind of get the call. And I was even more excited. She took so much time out of her busy schedule to talk to us. And it was so much fun. So thank you, Jackie, so much. And um, I I guess we're just going to formally apologize now for the next episode, The Pest, which is right around the corner. Uh, We love you. We're not doing this to you. Our wives are doing this to you. So it's not us. It's them. (laughs) Just remember that. Um, And uh, I don't know if I'll be sober for the next episode, quite honestly.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: God. <laughs> We're going to have to figure something out. <sighs> yeah. But, uh, hey, listen, um, thank you for, you know, taking time to listen to another episode of Not a Bomb. We're just throwing them left and right out there. We appreciate uh, you being around and all the emails and all the messages. And stay tuned for our Valentine's month. And we kick it off with the best.
1: Don't lose your head.
2: (laughs) Hey, movie fans. Welcome to... You don't want to start that over because I sound like I hit puberty. (laughs) (laughs)